1: Welcome to a Wednesday pre-NBA finals edition of the roto NBA podcast. June 1st. I'm Nick Whalen, joined as always by Alex Barutha. We are brought to you by WinBet. Uh, make sure you're checking out WinBet.com. Obviously, a lot going on uh, in the sports world uh, and in our NBA world, Alex, with the finals tipping off uh, tomorrow night, Thursday. We get game one. Nice little break uh, from game seven uh, of the Boston-Miami series, which was on Sunday night. So three full days off for the Celtics. Uh, even more time off for the Golden State Warriors. Um, but what is your general feel on this series? We're going to have a big preview article that goes up on the site uh, either late tonight or, or early tomorrow where we'll kind of, uh, you know, have a, a roundtable style where everybody offers their takes. But um, I, I have not dived into your response yet, but one of the questions in that article is basically, you know, what are your thoughts coming into the series? Because there's, for the first time, it feels like in a while, there's not really a, I wouldn't say consensus, but, it, you know, you can tell me that you think the Celtics are going to win in six or the Warriors are going to win in five. And I wouldn't really push back all that much. You know, I think Golden State maybe has a little bit of a lean just because they're the home team. They've had uh, what's felt like a smoother path to the finals. They're coming in more well rested, but uh, a lot to like on the Boston side as well, especially given the path that they've had to the NBA finals.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, so the Celtics have been the best team since basically the All-Star break, which I think is if you're leaning towards the Celtics, that's kind of what you're banking on. It's like, this actually has been the best team for the second half of the season. That said, uh, I, I've i kind of talked myself into the Warriors here. So I, the last two series for Boston, kind of concerning. Um, needing seven games to get through that Milwaukee team. And I'm a little biased because I'm a Bucks fan. So I was like, you know, very upset at, like, how the Bucks were playing. Uh, I thought, you know, Youngest was just saving them over and over and over again. But like, I think needing seven games to get through Milwaukee, and they were shorthanded without Middleton, and then you need seven games again to get through the Heat, who are shorthanded without Tyler Hero. The whole team was beat up for a while. Um, I think that was pretty concerning as well. And Those were both physical series, so I think they're coming out of that pretty beat up. And then you combine that with, I think, Golden State's experience. Is really important, and um, you know, like their core has been to six NBA finals. You can't, there's no stat for that, you like, there's no you can't quantify that with numbers. Um, maybe that just shows up in the coaching battle, right? So, you get Steve Kerr, one of the best coaches of all time, been to six NBA finals, as good as Ime Odoka has been. He's a first year head coach, this is the most high leverage situation possible. And that's ultimately what has kind of made me lean towards Golden State.
1: Yeah, I I've kind of talked myself in circles already on this series because I think on one hand you can say yes, Boston, you know, on paper has had the much tougher road. Um, You know, they they blew past a Nets team that I think some people thought would maybe win that series in six or seven games. You know, they they blow them out um, and and win in four. Um, You know, even without Middleton, it's a little bit of a blemish. I think. You know, Milwaukee taking that team to seven games, especially if you look at it from the perspective of what if you took Jalen Brown away from Boston and gave Chris Middleton back to Milwaukee? You know, like, I, I mean, in that scenario, Milwaukee maybe wins a series in five, maybe they win it in four. Um, so that's a little concerning. And then we saw what felt like a little bit of a redux uh, of that same situation against Miami, where Tyler Hero goes out mid-series, Jimmy Butler is super banged up, you know, Kyle Lowry doesn't look anything like himself. Virtually everybody but Bam Adebayo. Uh, was at like 70% by the end of that series. And, and still, you know, Boston looked like the better team for most of the series, but it came down to the final 15 seconds of a game seven on the road. So, you know, there, there have definitely been some cracks in the armor for Boston, but at the same time, I, I still feel like they deserve a lot of credit for not folding. Um, you know, even even in some situations where they held the advantage and were, were kind of working against themselves, you know, some of the shots that Marcus Smart was taking late in that game seven against Miami, for example. Uh, but they still found a way to get here. So there's there's kind of this tug of war between Boston at times shooting itself in the foot and not playing to its potential, but at the same time still finding a way to get to the NBA Finals. So you know, I I, I don't necessarily want to hold their path against them uh, because they got through some good teams, but there were there were some catches, especially in that Milwaukee series. I will say, in um, full disclosure, I'm sitting here you know in the heart of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. As I'm saying this, I remain extremely confident that the Milwaukee Bucks would be representing the east in the finals and and likely go on to win the finals had Chris Middleton not gone down in round 1.
2: I think that's fair. Yeah, it's um yeah, they they very much could have. I Boston, I don't know, man. Like I I think they they have had a harder path, right? Um you know Golden State goes up against Denver without Jokic, without MPJ, uh, pretty a little concerning what happened against Memphis, kind of down the stretch without Ja. I still have a really hard time quantifying like exactly what was going on there. And then they take care of business pretty well against Dallas, who I felt like I was never really that high in Dallas in the first place. But um, you know, Golden State's had the best offense throughout the whole playoffs. Um, Boston's had the second best defense. So you know these teams are. I I mean I ultimately I think this is going to be a a fantastic. Finals and I'd be surprised if it didn't go six games. Um, I know the odds, like the series uh correct score, shortest odds on that is is Golden State and seven, uh, which I you know kind of tracks with the series long
1: in general, right? If the yep. Warriors are
2: minus one fifty, that's kind of how it
1: has to be. I agree with you on that. I mean, you could kind of make the same argument that that I just laid out for the Celtics with the Warriors, too, where yeah, they, they were probably pushed a little more than they should have uh by a Memphis team that didn't have John Moran, you know, even in the, they had the, the one blowout game, you know, where Golden State was down 50. It, that one just felt like such an anomaly. It felt like a, you know, some of the games that we saw in the, in the Celtics Heat series, where it was just over by the end of the first quarter. Um, and, and, you know, the Dallas series, like Golden State look good. They blow through, they're up 3-0. Um, they have the classic, like, it feels like every team ever has has always lost that game four uh, and then comes back and wins game five. Um, but it's hard, it's just hard to quantify. Like, how good was that Dallas team? Like, yes, they were good enough, to beat the proverbial favorite in the Western conference, but we also had to do a major reassessment of how good we think the Phoenix Suns were with how that series closed out. So, you know, I, t- I tend to think that like if golden state played the same teams that Boston did, I think we would have seen very similar results. You know, I, th- I think golden state probably makes it through, but maybe a little more by the skin of their teeth uh, because, you know, all due respect to Luka Doncic and the Mavs uh, and John Morant and the, and the Grizzlies, I I personally don't really think that those teams, even at full strength, are quite on the same level as the Bucs or the Heat, or or even the Nets, who, you know, kind of like the Suns, I I think we had to do a major course correction on after that series.
2: Yeah, the Nets are kind of hard to... The Nets are as confusing to me as, like, what happened, yeah, in that Phoenix-Dallas, like, game six and seven. There's just something bizarre is going on there. Injuries, team chemistry, hard to quantify, but, um, like, you know, I don't, like... I don't necessarily want to get too deep in the weeds on like those series because uh, like a lot of these, these playoff series and games are about like matchups, right? Specific matchups. Um, Do you, I mean, like, I mean, one of the questions you asked in the round table that's going to be up on the site soon is like, how does Boston win this series? How does golden state win this series? Like, what do you think? What do you think on both of those?
1: Yeah. I was talking uh, on the, the MKF show just before this uh, about kind of the same question, you know, what, what does Boston have to do? Um, I I think for me, the answer is a little clearer for golden state. You know, it's just kind of like, we've seen the blueprint already, like just go be the warriors, you know, like it's happened multiple times on this stage. Like you don't really have to dive quite as deep, but for Boston, the big question for me is, can they continue to limit quality three point looks the same way that they did certainly against Milwaukee and, and less so, but you know, uh, percentage wise pretty close against Miami in the Eastern conference finals, you know, neither of those teams were exactly lighting the world on fire from three, no matter what, Um, like even the good looks, it felt like Milwaukee and Miami were getting just weren't going down for whatever reason. But, um, you know, watching the bucks all season and then watching that Celtics series, like the frequency with which Milwaukee was getting good quality looks uh, really whatsoever, but from three, especially was, you know, dramatically lower uh, than what you see throughout the regular season or what you see even in most playoff series, against other opponents. I, I thought that the Celtics defense running the Bucks off the line, always seeming to be in position on rotations, that's really what won them that series. And then the stark contrast on the other end, and, and a lot of this is just the way that Milwaukee plays defense. They were willing to go down with the ship here, probably wrongfully in this case, but you know, you're know, you watching Milwaukee just struggle and struggle and struggle to generate any kind of quality look. And then on the other hand, it's just wide open three for Jalen Brown, wide open three for Grant Williams, wide open three for Al Horford. Um, you know, I, I think Boston is going to be able to continue generating its own good looks but can they continue to do that against a team that has in my opinion the two best shooters in the league at least the two guys you would not want to leave open most in curry and clay because it's a little bit different you know running clay thompson off the line versus running pat Connaughton off the line
2: yeah i feel the same way about uh, that you do about the warriors first of all like um you know <laughs> like my response initially was just going to be well they just keep being themselves to probably win the series but i you know i try to be a little more descriptive than that and just like that you know they should pressure the celtics because we've seen that work like pressure the ball yeah. they don't have they a lot of not
1: let the celtics score and they should score i think <laughs> <not gonna win. laughs>
2: exactly and ideally you know you want to force the celtics to take threes because if you get in a three-point battle then the warriors are probably going to win if it turns into a three-point battle uh for boston yeah I, I, you gotta limit the threes i i think for them i mean they have the size and athleticism advantage of the series right by a pretty significant margin um and it's never as simple as saying like just get in there you know play physical and take advantage of mismatches and you know force the ball in the paint but i think they have to do that more right because they have you know tatum or uh i, I should start with like horford Um, uh, you know horford against looney horford should win that matchup you have rob williams out there who i don't know who he's gonna end up guarding but like they they're taller and bigger than a lot of these golden state guys who don't necessarily want to get physical so I think I think they have to do what Milwaukee and Miami was doing to them. You know, M- Milwaukee and Miami were just trying to beat them up, play super physical. I think Boston has to turn around and use that against Golden State because that's not how they want to play. You know, whether or not they're going to switch everything, I'm not sure. But I think they really have to try to get into these guys. And again, every team has been every analyst ever has been saying that about Golden State, right? Get in their jersey, push them off their spot, stuff like that. I mean, just yeah, it's it's way easier said than done. It's not always that effective.
1: All right. Possible counterpoint: What if this has been a 16-month long con, and James Wiseman is coming back for the NBA <laughs> Finals to, to bring some size to that Warriors front line? Oh man, you know what? I
2: I still think he'd be better than Kevon Looney, but um, oh, wow. yeah, that would be that would be amazing.
1: Uh, Looney was amazing uh, in those last couple series. when I mean, so he had what a 22 rebound game uh, against Memphis, I had the 18 rebound game against Dallas. I, I do wonder though, like both Looney and Robert Williams are are kind of odd fits in this series. I I think, you know, like, I I think we see a decent amount of Looney um, just by virtue of the Warriors, not really having another great option on the roster. If you need someone with true size, Um, but, but Robert Williams, like you said, you know, who who does Robert Williams guard? Like he's, you know, he's not the type of guy that you're just blowing right past, but he's also not, you know, he's not Draymond Green in that respect. You know, he, he has size. He'd prefer to be around the rim. Um, And, you know, Kevon Looney is not the type of player who's you're not really worried about keeping him, away from the rim, I guess. So it, it's going to be an interesting series. And, and obviously you throw in the caveat that Robert Williams is also likely not at hundred percent. It, it kind of feels like it's gone game to game with him, right. Where he'll, he'll, he'll look great one game and then he'll miss the next game and then look terrible the next time he's out there. But then two nights later, looks like he's at hundred percent. So like, I, I don't think you could count on him to be at full strength. You know, I don't think three days off is enough to solve whatever's going on with that surgically repaired knee, but I I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we go, you know, he plays like 18 minutes in game one and then plays like seven minutes in game two and then 30 minutes in game three. And it just kind of goes by feel and and how he's looking out there.
2: Yeah, the that's a that's a really tough factor for them because he is such a big part of what has made them great in the second half of the season. His help defense uh, coming off the weak side for blocks. I mean, I think, you know, I think maybe. Maybe you can stick him on Wiggins and just kind of bank on like, well, Wiggins just really isn't going to play that aggressive. Like, yeah. you know, you if if anything, like, yeah, you want Wiggins catching and driving, uh, because nothing great is probably going to come of that. On the other hand, the I think the simple solution is just stick him on Draymond Green. Yes. You, he's at he's athletic enough to bother Draymond. Like, he doesn't have to sag off a of Draymond Green when Draymond has the ball, right? He's athletic to get up in Draymond's space when Draymond has the ball and prevent those easy passes and Draymond's probably not going to go blow uh, blow by him. And then, on the other hand, when Draymond doesn't have the ball, uh, Williams can just sag off uh, because Draymond's not going to hit a catch-and-shoot three, and then he can kind of protect the rim there. So that, to Mm. me, feels like the most natural thing to do. And then, you know, you have Horford on on Looney, and then you do uh, Tatum on, like, Clay Thompson or whoever. It's just that the matchups kind of fall into place from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have a few... A few, I think, I think, guys on this Warriors roster, more so in the past, who you can exploit or at least feel comfortable kind of leaving. You know, I mean, Looney obviously being one of those guys. Um, you know, like, Andre Iguodala looks like he's going to play in this series. Like, I just, I don't know if that's, like, the greatest thing for Golden State right now. Like, I mean, unless you're just going to try to steal, you know, five to ten minutes here and there. Um, I, I'm not saying Andre Iguodala is, like, a liability necessarily, but he hasn't played in a month. And he's way up there in age. It um, you was know, not really the difference maker that he was uh, four or five years ago at this point. And like, I, I do wonder if like, is there this impetus to like shoehorn Andre Iguodala because he was such a big part of those other runs? You know, is there an impetus to shoehorn him in there for 15 to 20 minutes where, you know, would, would you be better off with some of those minutes going to Jordan Poole or some of those minutes going to Gary Payton or, you know, just handing more, more minutes to the Curry, Wiggins, Thompson trio? Like, I, I do wonder how, how much they're going to be willing to throw him back in there.
2: It, yeah, it kind of depends on who he's replacing, right? I mean, they also have Gary Payton back in the mix, and Payton was awesome yep. for them. So, um, I mean, you're probably just replacing what Moses Moody, Damian yeah. Lee, Kaminga minutes. I mean, Bilice but even but even those guys,
1: like Moody, only played big minutes the last few games because Otto Porter missed a couple of those games. Right. Like, there's 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 kind of this like I, I don't even know, like kind of cascading effect, you know, with with this team where and and they're also way more willing to just throw Moses Moody out there, like who you know, he'll, he'll have stretches where he'll pick up like five straight DNPs. And then all of a sudden he'll, he'll like start the next three games. Like that, that happened during the regular season. Um, you know, he, he did not play in the final closeout game against Memphis. And then three games later, he played 23 minutes uh, in that game four against Dallas. And, and part of that was blowout scenario. I get all that, but I, I think gold state is much more willing to experiment with younger guys uh, we've seen throughout this season than most teams would in this situation.
2: Yeah. And I think, I mean, if if Iguodala is healthy, I think you just want to throw him out there at least for a little bit because I think I think one thing is probably underrated about Igadala and and guys like that who have been on the team for so long, have been in so many of these situations. Like I feel like if you're having a bad stretch and the guys on the floor can't really figure it out, if you throw Igadala in there for like five six minutes, he might be able to kind of like like diagnose the issue if he gets out on the floor and kind of sees what's going on. Um, and kind of, you know, relay that and, and do a good job of directing traffic, both offense and defense. So, and Draymond does that, right? But having the ability to, to have Iguodala out there doing that in the for like five minutes while Draymond's out, I think that's important, even if he's not really impacting the
1: stats in a, in a meaningful way at all. Yeah, those are those, those all very fair points. Um...
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
1: I want to talk about Clay Thompson real quickly because I feel like everything I read and hear on podcasts, there's there's always this uh, this air of like uh, Clay's not quite the same. You know, if they can get the old Clay Thompson back, you know that really changes things. I, I'm willing to admit that he's he's definitely fallen off defensively, which is understandable when you tear an ACL and tear an Achilles. That's part of the deal. But I, I feel like we're seeing pretty close to peak Clay Thompson as a shooter. And as an offensive player, I mean, he's up to, if you go all the way back to mid-March, he scored in double figures in 29 straight games uh, over that span. Uh, so we're, we're starting with a March 8th game against the Clippers. So over that span, including the playoffs, he's at 22.6 points per game, 45% from the field, 40% from three on 10 attempts per game, 4.1 makes. You know, I, I'll, there is a little bit of noise in that sample where like some big games in the playoffs, especially, uh, are kind of buoying him. You know, he had eight threes against Memphis. He had eight threes in the closeout game against Dallas, and those kind of helped offset some some really bad games. But I, I feel like Clay is about as close to back as we're going to see from him. Like, if, if you're expecting him to be in his first half season back from catastrophic injuries to be better than 23 points on 40% from three, like, <laughs> what's the expectation here?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's not going to be able to, like, he's not like a lockdown defender anymore, right? And, like, no one was expecting him to be. And you're right. He's, he's out there. He's shooting. He's hitting 40% of his threes. Um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what more to expect. I think, I think, yeah, you're giving up a little defensively with him compared to other guys at this point. I don't know, man. He's, he's just such, he's like, he knows exactly how the offense is run. Again, it's like this, this golden state core. You want these guys out there, even if they're not exactly like, even if they're not at their peak anymore because they're able to go through the motions and know exactly what each other is thinking in a way that like no other team in the NBA has. So if like, yeah, maybe he's 80% of what he used to be or 85%. That's still better. Like that's what, like who else are you, you going to put Jordan pool in there instead of him? Like, are you just going to, like, what are you going to do? Like he, he's going to be out there. He's playing very well.
1: Yeah. I, I just think that there's been like a, a some sort of like miscommunication of like what the expectations are for clay top. So like he, He's only averaged 20 points per game in the playoffs twice in his entire career. Like he's, right. he's having like as good of a playoffs this year as he's ever had.
2: Yeah. I know people, people like to envision this clay Thompson. Like, like he was out here scoring like 28 a game. Um, But he's like, he's a three point shooter. Three point shooters are, are prone to streakiness, right? Like he's, yeah. he gets his, he gets buckets in transition and all that off of back cuts too, because that's just how the offense is run. But if he, if he hits one or two threes, he's probably going to score like 14, 15 points. If he hits his five threes, he's going to score 25, 26 yeah. points. It all just ends up averaging closer to like 18.
1: Right. I think if someone told you a week before he made his return this season, Hey, all right. The Warriors are going to be in the finals. Clay's going to be averaging 35 points a game. No sign of any issues with the <laughs> knee or the Achilles. He started every game. He's playing the same minutes and he's averaging 20 points per game. And he's shooting 40% from three. Like, who would be, like, not good enough, man? I don't right. know. He's, he's just not himself. So I, I just needed to, to get that out there as a, a quick, to, quick uh, defense uh, of Clay Thompson because I, I just hate that that narrative keeps propping up. I, I think it's a lazy narrative. I think people were down on him because his first, like, 20 games back, he was pressing a little bit. You know, he was shooting, like, 40% from the field. He was having some really rough nights. But ever since then, man, I, I think he has looked every bit like the old Clay Thompson. Um, let's get to some betting on the NBA Finals. Uh, Warriors minus three and a half for game one. Uh, I think that feels about right. Uh, you know, you al- alluded to, to the series price, which is uh, kind of hovered around like Warriors minus 130, minus 150, depending on where you look. Again, with, with the home court advantage, with the pedigree, uh, I think that all makes sense as well. But um, I wanted to look at some of the uh, props for this series that, that are available uh, over at the DraftKings Sportsbook. And let me tell you, there are plenty of them. Um, oh my god. And one yeah. of them that I like, by the way, Clay Thompson to average 20 plus points in the finals, hey. minus 120. All right. The odds makers think it's happening. Uh
2: yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um I don't know, man. It's 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 tough to like I looked at a lot of those. Like, I mean, I looked at all of them. The the you know, points per game, rebounds, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, that one in like Curry 25 points is interesting as well. Uh, because you know, Curry's done that for most of the most of, uh, most of his playoff series like you can get curry to average uh 25 and the and the warriors to win um at plus 120 which is nice but um yeah that clay that clay line is tough for me right because he's averaging like exactly 20.4 points a game in the playoffs
1: it's just kind of that swing number mm-hmm. well you could get curry to average 30 plus and the warriors win the finals that's at plus 475 I don't, I don't think I love that. I mean, 30 points a game yeah. in the finals is a lot. I mean, that's like, that's hard to do for anybody. Like the, the way that the game slows down and, and especially later in the series, like each possession just becomes so increasingly valuable and increasingly scrutinized. Like getting to 30 is, is really tough. I, I think if that was like eight to one, nine to one, I would think about it, but you know, you're not even getting to five to one on that. No. And I, I, I
2: you know, I mentioned this in the, in the roundtable response, but it's just like, I, I look at a lot of I looked at all these odds and like so many of them are just really tough for me to quantify, which is kind of I think what you're getting at. It's like I'm not sure if this number is fair. Like I have no frame of reference for this. like you know one of the one of the odds I, I'm citing is any player to make nine plus threes is plus 650. okay. So that's something Curry has done twice ever in the playoffs. Clay has done it twice in his entire playoff career as well tatum's career high is nine uh regular season or playoffs um like this plus 650 number that doesn't mean anything to me i don't know where that's coming from like it doesn't feel great to me it's right. like i think i want 10 to 1 on that it's just like unless a number really sticks out and i'm able to like kind of think like oh if we were to play this series out six times you know this would happen it's just like though that's it's getting too vague for me at some point
1: yeah I, when you say it like that it makes it seem a little more reasonable, you know, when you're saying like, all right, if if we play the series out six times in one of the games throughout those six times, does somebody hit at least nine threes? It's like maybe, but then the numbers you just cited, I mean, Clay Thompson, you said has done it what twice in his entire playoff career. That's twice in 139 games.
2: Same with Curry. Curry has only done it twice. We're talking
1: basically like four times in almost 300 games for those two alone. Right. And that's not,
2: that's not six to one. Um at right. the same with like of course you're adding you know uh Tatum in there as well and like maybe a insane Jordan Poole or like Marcus, Marcus Smart, Smart you know yeah exactly yeah, Marcus is. Smart yeah. game but um it's stuff like that where it's like sometimes I'm looking at these odds and I'm like I just could never like even if I think this thing is going to happen I just I don't feel like I'm getting a great number which is normally why I'm, I stick to something like you know Curry Finals MVP plus yeah. 110 that makes sense to me um and some of the longer odds stuff um you know as well that even if it's not super quantifiable to me it's just like the odds are so long and it seems reasonable that i i'm willing to take a chance on it
1: so one interesting one I, I think it was you who mentioned this or somebody mentioned it in the round table uh any player to score 50 plus in any finals game only 11 to 1 and and i think back to lebron game one 2017 against the warriors uh, or 2018 against the warriors where he had 51 and it just felt like the you know, Bill Simmons always says like the greatest game I've ever seen an individual play. Um, It's like think of how crazy that game was, and it, it felt like LeBron had like 70 in that game, and he only had 51. Um, Yeah, you know, I know Tatum is is obviously capable of approaching 50. You can say the same for Curry. We've seen Clay have crazy nights, but 11 to one. I mean, how is this not like 30 to one?
2: Yeah, I know. I know. I don't. I don't want to be. <laughs> so a lot of these, I just I look at them and I'm like, well, you're just. The sportsbooks are really getting their money on these, aren't they? Like this, they're gonna yeah. make all their money on on the NBA finals off of these props, Um which you know I get because people are excited to bet them, and that's just that's how things work these days. But yeah, eleven to one, yeah, kind of implying that like you know because every NBA finals has an all time player in it, and you're saying that like basically every ten years someone's gonna pop for fifty, and um, you know I didn't. I have not gone back and looked to see if that's the case. It does not feel like the case. But you mentioned it with the LeBron game, one of the best games anyone has ever played in basketball ever. And it was 50 points, 51 points. Um and uh and it, obviously he's passing and stuff
1: too, but uh it's just
2: yeah, I I wouldn't I would not bet that at 11 to 1. That just doesn't feel like value to me.
1: In defense of the line, Giannis Giannis literally had 50 in the last finals game that happened. Yeah. I I will say that maybe, maybe they're thinking they're riding high off of that, but it's happened only, it's happened only seven times in the history of the NBA finals. And four of those seven times were before 1970.
2: Right. See, that's a key number, right? Because if you're thinking, well, it's like, it's happened seven times. NBA has been around for like roughly 70 years, right? Oh yeah. One of every, but you're the fact that it just hasn't happened since, you know, that offense is 1970. And, um, you know, like that youngest game, you know, that youngest game was a complete anomaly, uh, anomaly. He hit like 19 free throws, you know, like that was the best game he's ever played. Probably the best game he ever will play. Cause he's never going to hit that many free throws again. Um, the LeBron game, they're going to f- feel as much like an anomaly, but yeah, I just, I- I'm with you. It's like, yeah, if you gave me 30 to one, maybe 20 to one, I would consider it. I, I just, you know, these teams are so good defensively. Um, again, it's all time guys, but it's, it's a tough number.
1: So you brought up another prop and I I think you said it was 20 to one on DraftKings for either team to hit 25 threes in a finals game, which would uh, break the record of 24. Um, So the prop is basically a team to set the record for most threes in a finals game. Um, 20 to one, you know, I'm I'm a little more willing to get on board with this and, and, you know it's more of a team effort, so you know you don't, you're not necessarily trying to pick out one guy who has to have like the greatest game of his life. Um, and, and if there were two teams to pick out, it would be these two, I think, right? You know, we've Gold State is obviously going to be the number one answer on this list as long as Curry and Clay are on the roster. And you know, we saw Boston just have some massive three point shooting games against Milwaukee. My question is, how much of that was Milwaukee just rolling out the red carpet for Grant yeah. Williams and Marcus Spart and Al Horford and, and even Tatum and Brown? Uh, to take as many threes as they wanted. Um, I, I just, with the way that we've seen defense played in the finals, I, I have a hard time believing, like, I mean, it would be, you would need a team to just go, like, Inferno mode from three, I think, to get to to get to get 25. Like, getting to 20 in a finals game would be a lot. But 25, um, you know, at 20-to-1, I'm willing to talk about it. It's a fun prop, but I just, I, I don't quite see it happening.
2: I think it's the best long shot there is. That's that's why I sort of, I, I've included it as something the that I like. Greatest bet of all time it's <laughs> the i'm okay but honestly i mean you're talking again you look at some of these other odds uh and it's yeah. just like i i you know to me this is this is almost sort of a principle it's like um you know part of it's like yeah the the warriors are in the finals like the 20 to 1 implies that like do you think sometime within the next 20 years within the next 20 nba finals someone will break the three point record for most made in a game and i think if you asked most people that they'd be like, yeah, of course. Like the, the way three point shooting is um, like almost any team that makes it the NBA finals. So that's kind of my logic here. It's just like, I, I just, I, I feel like it's bound to happen. Whether or not it happens this like in the series is, is one question, but um, you know, the, the Celtics did it during the regular season at one time, we had four games this year where teams hit 25 threes, not overtime. 19 games this season where teams have taken at least 53s. I feel like that's an important number. You take 53s. You hit half of them. Uh, maybe you get lucky with an overtime game as well, um, you know, with how series, uh, with how close this series is expected to be. But I just, I just feel like this record's going to be broken. It feels inevitable within the next 20 years, which is why I like the 20 to one.
1: Yeah. The last one we'll hit on uh, Daniel Tice to score 70 <laughs> points in any finals game is uh, 700,000 to one here.
2: Uh, Yeah, don't tell Ken. Don't tell Ken about that one.
1: My favorite bet on the board. Um, So we're looking at uh, there's a close games category on DraftKings, which normally I I would probably just scroll right through that. Seems a little too menial, but we've had a weird playoffs. There's been a ton of blowouts on both sides. Uh, Exact number of games to be decided by three or fewer points in the series. So obviously zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven uh, all seven games to be decided by three or fewer points is six hundred to one. <laughs>
2: well, that's that's at least fun and uh, a long, long odds. So um, <laughs> if someone showed me that ticket, I'd be like, "That's awesome! Good for you." Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I if there was a way, I mean, I think there is. You could, you know, betting on games. Um, there's like literally so many things to click through. It's hard to find it, but you know, if you could bet like every game to be decided by. 10 or fewer points that's something i'd be interested in and you could do that individual basis too right right a lot of these sites have like 10 or few games signed by 10 or fewer points i think that would be interesting um but again i have to actually see that number and trying to find it is almost impossible on the fly
1: let's move to finals mvp uh and then we'll finish out uh we we actually have the 2022-23 title odds up which are, are pretty interesting to discuss but Finals MVP odds, unsurprisingly, Curry plus 110, Tatum plus 170, massive gap down to Jalen Brown 11 to one, Clay 15, Draymond 18, Wiggins 25, Pool 35, uh, Smart 45, and then then you're getting into the major long shots. After that, um, I mean, if if I gave you Curry or Tatum or the field, I- is that as easy as it sounds?
2: Yeah, I would I would take Curry or Tatum or, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, I mean, to me, to me, I'd I'd bet on Curry plus one ten. I'd rather bet on that than Warriors minus one fifty, for example. Um, but yeah, and I, I I would just be shocked if it's it's hard for me to envision Jalen Brown winning Finals MVP. I have an easier time envisioning Clay Thompson winning Finals MVP than I do Jalen Brown.
1: Right, I, I think because one, we've seen it happen with Curry. You know, we've seen him win three titles and come away with, with zero finals MVPs. And, and the two Durant ones, you know, that's a, a different circumstance than what we saw with, with Iguodala winning it in 2015. But, you know, for the Warriors could win this series with Steph Curry just playing okay. I, I, think, I think that's in the cards. I, I think if Steph Curry has an okay to bad series, chances are Boston wins, but it's not crazy to think that Golden State could win the series. If Jason Tatum has an okay to bad series, Boston has no chance to win. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah. So yeah. So maybe it would be better if you like the Celtics just to bet the Tatum MVP, and if you like the Warriors, it actually may make more sense just to bet their line because they they play so egalitarian. Like mm. you mentioned, like Curry can affect the game without mm. scoring. His gravity can affect the game. See, it's possible Thompson or. I, I, I don't know. I don't envision Draymond winning it unless he like literally shut down Tatum to average right. like 15 points a game, which is kind of how, what, that's how like Igudala won it the one year because he right. quote unquote shut down LeBron.
1: Right. And, and I think, you know, even these last two series, like Tatum played well, he was, he ended up being the inaugural Eastern conference finals MVP, but there was a lot of momentum. If you're on Twitter, um, you know, we, we both follow a lot of Celtics people. It seems like every media member some sort of Celtics fandom, but you know, there's a lot of like, man, you know, I think Al Horford was actually their most valuable guy or Jalen Brown was phenomenal in that series. Like, you know, that kind of felt like that kind of opportunity um, where a lot of guys stepped up and it felt like a total team effort and the award still went to Tatum, you know? So I think we could kind of see that play out again. Um, if Boston were to win the finals, I think it's pretty clear. Um, and, and everybody on that team like loves Jason Tatum. And I think knows that he is the best player on the team. I don't really think that there would be, some side of like, you know, Curry versus Durant type of debate uh, when you're talking Tatum versus Brown. And I think everyone knows that those guys are on slightly different tiers for the Warriors. You know, like, again, I, if the Warriors win the finals, I would say there is a 90% chance that step that means Stephan Curry wins the finals MVP. And I think the fact that he hasn't won it in the past is now helping him in this scenario. Yeah. Right. I think that's going to become more and more of a narrative, especially if it becomes clear that the Warriors are going to win the series. I, I think like unless Curry has just a disastrous series, like there's going to be almost pressure on the Finals MVP voters to give it to him, right? Like you don't, they, they're, like you don't want to be the one who's responsible for him missing out on it again, like what happened in 2015.
2: I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think if it's even close, uh, you, you, even in the same ballpark as like Curry or Thompson, Curry's going to get it. Like I, I, I think I think you're right. I think there's just going to be like pressure to give it to Curry. And I don't even, I don't even think that's entirely undeserved pressure. No. By the way, I think he deserves a Finals MVP. Um, I think he would have to play like, it would have to be so, so in favor of somebody else that we would have to just be unbelievably like clay averaging 30 points a game, something like that.
1: Right. It's almost, it's crazy to think that it happened like it did in 2015, but it would be the equivalent of, you know, uh, Gary Payton coming back. And, like, really limiting Jason Tatum to, yeah. like, under 40% yeah. shooting. Everybody being like, you know what? He is better than Steph Curry in this series. Yeah. Like, it's just it's just not going to happen again. It's, it's really not. And I, I don't even think Iguodala was, like, the wrong choice necessarily. Um, I, I, think, I think Curry was shaky enough in that series. And, and back then, you know, he, he had won the MVP that year. But it's not like he was quite as established as he is now. Like, it wasn't that insane at the time. Uh, but yeah, it's just not going to happen again. So I, I think if the Warriors win, it, it means that Steph obviously played well uh, and there would have to be a huge gap. Like you said, you know, it would take Klay Thompson having like 25 threes over the final three games of the series or something like that for him to even have a chance. And even then, I think there might be people, um, you know, who make that argument in favor of Curry and, you know, Draymond, I think at 18 to one, I wouldn't bet it. I just don't, you know, at the, at the end of the day, like it, it, it like many awards, it's, it kind of comes down to stats and, you know, it's like Draymond could be the best player in the series in terms of his impact on both ends. But I just don't think, I don't think there are going to be enough people that would be willing to like fight to the death on that argument. Right. Because like the Warriors could win the finals and Draymond could end the series averaging like four points, five and a half assists, six rebounds. Like you're not, yeah. and, and you know, what he brings defensively and, and you know, chemistry wise offensively is is not quantifiable. So I just don't think he really has a chance at a finals MVP.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we're talking Draymond 18 to one, I would just rather bet Marcus Smart at like 45 to one. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he, I would just, I would rather jump up farther, get the guy who was the defensive player of the year. Maybe he does a really good job against Curry. They win the finals and then it turns yep. into a Nicodala situation. Um, not that I, I, right. I, you know, not that I love that line or anything.
1: The, the only way I could see this not being Curry or Tatum, and especially Curry, is I, I think if there were some sort of like minor injury, um, you know, like let's, let's say Curry, like twists his ankle and he, and he has to miss game three, because there's enough time between games in this series where, you know, it could, there could be a one game injury. Um, we've seen it before in these playoffs already, but you know, if he misses game three and you know, it's one, one and clay Thompson puts up 45 at Boston and they win, you know, that narrative could really take hold. Um, but you know, then I mean, you're starting to talk pretty crazy hypotheticals at that point. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, let's finish out 2022, 20, 23 odds. I was just talking to James about this earlier today. Uh, the LA Lakers have the 12th best odds to win the NBA finals. <laughs> like a, a shockingly realistic placement oh, at 20 to one uh, by the odds makers.
2: You gotta take it, right? No, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, LeBron, <laughs> at, know? LeBron, at, I mean, I listen minute LeBron at 20 to one. If someone told you that regardless of the team that was around him, you'd be like, uh, you know, I, know hard I would,
1: I would imagine those have to be his worst title odds ever coming into any year. Uh, except for like his rookie year, yeah, right? yeah, I mean, we could actually. Buy a lot. You,
2: you can, there's a way to look that up, I think. Uh, basketball reference, I think, has it like, if you go to any team's like page and go to the year,
1: yeah. I'll, um, uh, I'll, I'll be on the case while you chat, okay?
2: Yeah, as far as um, I, I think these odds make sense. You get in order, you get Warriors plus 400, Nets five to one, uh, kind of interesting. Um, you know, because they, they played so bad. We don't know if Kyrie is coming back. We don't know about Ben Simmons, but they have the second best odds at five to one. And they're not, they're not even a public team. Right. I mean, they have no fans. Um, Celtics plus 550 Clippers Clippers at plus 600. Pretty interesting. Uh, don't hate it. Not sure. It's amazing value. Um, farther down the list, like two of the teams that kind of caught my eye, um, uh, for talking long shots, Pelicans at 40 to one. Uh, if you think, if you actually think Zion is going to stay healthy and is that good, you have Zion, Ingram, McCollum, Valanchunas, Herb Jones, maybe they get someone in free agency. That's intriguing to me. And then Cavaliers like a hundred to one. I'm not saying to bet it, but I would also not be surprised if that ends up somewhere like 75 to one. Like if you bet it right now, I feel like that could creep up just because of Garland, uh, Mobley, you know, maybe both those guys take a huge step up. Allen is very good. Who knows what happens with Sexton If they keep him? it's a sign and trade, but I've been very encouraged, but I mean, it's hard not to be encouraged by what we've seen from the the Cavs at this point.
1: Okay. So update on the Lakers situation uh, or the Lakers, the LeBron situation. Uh, These are his highest odds since his second year in the league with the Cavs. They were, I think they were 75 to one, his rookie year, 40 to one his second year. And then ever since then, they've been under Uh, 20 to one. So uh, that says a lot uh, about the state uh, of the LA Lakers right now. I think you're right about the Cavs. Um, You know, I, I'm not saying they should be like 10 to one, but I I mean, they should, they should clearly be in a higher zone to me than like the Hornets and the trailblazers. Um, I mean, I, I would even put them like over the Hawks right now. I mean, like they had a dramatically better year and seem to be on a better trajectory than the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Although, you know, uh, like you said, a lot of player movement uh, still to come. I think Minnesota at 55 to one is interesting again, probably a team that's at least, you know, one, two, three years away uh, from really being in this discussion. But um, you know, that's probably the highest that Minnesota has been in, I don't know what, at, at yeah. least a decade.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's close to the same argument as like new Orleans where it's like, if you think Anthony Edwards is like this guy and he becomes a number yeah. one guy and then catch your number two, it's like, that's pretty good. Despite what you, you know, people might think about D'Angelo Russell and, you know, I, I think they have some more roster questions. Oddly enough, they, I think they're, they're like three through six is way more like uh kind of up in the air, cloudy in terms of how effective they are than like the Pelicans who actually have like a really experienced three through five. Um, so yeah. But uh, like like the jazz are 40 to one. And I think, you know, not that I'm expecting them to win a title. It's just, it's interesting to me that they have the same odds as the Pelicans I, I think I think the books, books are expecting, like, this is over for them, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would not bet Utah. Um, you know, I think Toronto at 50-1 to 1 is very interesting. I, I think if you're, you know, you're, you're never going to feel great or, like, lay out, like, a perfect argument for why the team with, like, the 15th best odds should win the title. Um, but I, I think, you know, they're, they're always a team that there's, there's kind of always this threat of, like, a shakeup and they're such a smart organization that you'd expect that they'll win whatever that shakeup is. Uh, I mean, this week it seems to be and Obi potentially wanting out. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe you're able to flip him into a piece that, um, that kind of accelerates things or, or maybe an even bigger shakeup. Um, I know Gobert's been tossed around uh, as an option for him if the Jazz really decide to hit the reset button. Uh, but Toronto at 50-1 to 1 jumps out. I mean, honestly, Dallas at 14-1, to 1, you know, if, if Lucas is to yeah. the point where he's good enough that he's just going to drag you at least to the second round, maybe the conference finals every year, um, you know, if you, could, if you could just bet the Mavs at somewhere between 10 and 20 to 1 over the course of the next few years, even if the roster doesn't look all that great, I mean, maybe they break through and get one. I, I think that's a pretty friendly number for a team that, you know, just knocked off the Suns. And, and obviously, you know, that series ended on kind of a sour note, but almost by default, even though they don't have a ton of flexibility, like I, I would expect that Dallas will have a better roster around Luka Doncic because they just went to the Western conference finals with a team of basically like scrap pieces that they got back for Porzingis plus Jalen Brunson. And that's about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the nuggets are also around there. You get nuggets at 17 to one. That's interesting to me as well. You know, cause if you view, uh, you know, if you put Jokic and, and Doncic around the same level, but the nuggets now have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr compared to like the Ma- the Mavericks having like Brunson, maybe they might not even have Brunson. So that, that part is tough for the Mavericks. So that, that, that to me would give me some hesitation. It's like, well, what if Brunson signed somewhere else. And yeah. you know, they're, their second best player. I guess it would still be Tim Hardaway jr. At that point, you know, who's kind of forgotten about at this point. Cause he think he broke his foot. Um, but yeah, I think, I would almost rather do Nuggets at seventeen to one than Mavericks at fourteen to one because I feel a lot more stable about the Nuggets. Um, assuming Michael Porter Jr. can stay healthy, which is, of course, a humongous. If
1: yeah, yeah, I mean Denver, they're, they're just tough to figure out. I mean it's seventeen to one though. If, you know, even if you only think there's like a twenty percent chance that the Porter situation goes really well, if it goes well, it could go very, very well. And obviously, you're throwing Murray back in there too, so I, I don't hate the logic there what do we think about Miami at 11 to one? Like what is the next step forward for the Miami heat? I, I kind of wanted to bring this up earlier when we were discussing the Eastern conference finals, but I mean, this team, they, they've kind of pulled some Houdini acts before uh, in terms of getting out of contracts and, you know, bad salaries and whatnot. Um, they're, they find themselves in that boat yet again, this time with Duncan Robinson, <laughs> who is, is making 17 mil next year, 18 mil the year after 19 mil the year after that. Uh, before holding what I, I believe is a oh it's a player option. Why why did Duncan Robinson get a player option for twenty million dollars in twenty twenty five? we may never know. But you know you have Lowry locked up for the next two years at twenty eight and almost thirty million. That that is not good. That's not good at all. Um, I mean you have Butler locked in, you have Adebayo locked in, that's fine. But I mean I mean do you I don't I don't know if you can really bring Kyle Lowry back in good faith and expect it to go any better next year than it did this year. And, you know, hero's still around, but you have to start talking extension with him. Like I just, I, I don't know. Can you expect to be any better next year? If you're Miami?
2: I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, Lowry's on the downtrend. Butler is neutral. If not down, you're hoping out goes up, but like, he was just like pretty disappointing playoffs from out um, yeah, I think you. I like Otubio, but I, I don't. Is he gonna be like? What's his? Uh, are you ever confident he's gonna be better than like a third option ever? I don't know. Still pretty young. He's twenty four. I don't want to write off his. Well, let,
1: let me ask you this. So, when the, when the Heat went to the finals in twenty twenty, and Bam ended up getting hurt in that series, they lose to the Lakers. So it's it's been basically two full seasons since then. Based on where. Bam was at that point in his trajectory. Are you disappointed, happy, neutral? Like, how with the, how the last two years have gone? Like, do you feel like that trajectory is still there?
2: I I'm pretty neutral on how I feel about him. I mean, his numbers have increased, but I, barely. I, I I don't know. Like, he, he averaged 19 points a game this regular season right? He's like 20, he's like 20 and 10, three assists, a steal and a half. And then the playoffs come around and he's like struggling for 15. And, um, you know, he was in the mix for defensive player of the year. I like him. Like, I just, I, I don't have like a ton of faith in him as like a number two guy, for example. Um, I feel like he needs to, he's just, he needs to be something more. It's kind of also how I feel about DeAndre Ayton where it's like, you know, I, I don't want to ever have this guy with the expectation that he's ever going to be like my number two guy, but like I'd feel amazing yeah. if he was my number three guy. Um, and I, I still think he's their number two right now. So I think that's, that's kind of a problem because he just, he felt he floundered in the playoffs and it's just Lowry. Wasn't, I mean, it, he still almost made the NBA finals, right? Like, so this is a really weird discussion because I don't even understand how this team, like this team is so well coached. Um, you know that they're always going to be in the mix, but if you're talking about like how does this team get better, ideally, out of bio take some sort of like true leap. Um, but that, but that would also involve him averaging like 25 points a game. So um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly. I maybe you just hope hero gets better, um, turns into a 25 point per game guy, even though he mm-hmm. basically was 21 points a game.
1: I, I think it's fair to say that if hero was healthy and Kyle Lowry played up to the potential that we thought he had then Miami very likely wins that series against Boston so it's like it it's hard for me to say this was a failure like I don't necessarily think they need to blow it up but for me like the Lowry piece is a big big issue right I mean I just don't I just don't think you can expect to get any more out of him next year let alone in 2023-24 when he's making 29.7 million dollars so that coupled with the the Robinson contract I mean those are they're not untradeable by any means. Um, you know, Robinson's not even making twenty mil, so it's not like that big of a deal. But I, I, I just think they're kind of in a spot where, you know, if you're if you're trying to offload Lowry, you're not going to get anything of great value back. You know, I mean, it's almost a kind of a junior version of the Russell Westbrook situation with the Lakers, where it's like at least with Lowry, he's not actively hurt, he's not actively harming your team, but he definitely didn't help them uh, in the playoffs. No,
2: I mean he 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 played within himself during the regular season. Right. I mean, that was, yeah. Well, you know, he also he's a, missed a ton of time. Missed a ton, Yeah. He played 63 games, you know, like he's good assists, right. Low turnovers. He hits his threes. Like he's just, he's kind of floating out there these days. Um, you know, so he's not trying to dominate the ball like Westbrook, for example. But yeah, I mean, this isn't even like, you know, he's got two more years on his deal. So I'm not sure this is even a situation where it's like, you, you can dump him to OKC or you can dump him to, whatever, what you know, some other team that just wants to tank, you know, dump them to Indiana or something like that. I maybe, maybe, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're, I feel like they've reached that point uh, kind of ag- again uh, for what feels like the second time over the course of a decade where they just, they have the infrastructure. You just trust that everything's going to be fine. Um, and, you know, I mean, having a team built around Butler at a bio hero, is still a pretty damn good core. like there's not it that is, many teams yeah. that you know that would say no, we're good. we, we don't want that as our core. Um, but you know with Butler getting up there in age and, and Adebayo, you know I, I just feel like he's plateaued a little bit, still a very good player, still going to be a, an all-star to borderline all-star every single year. but I think based on where we thought he was heading in 2020, it just feels like he's like a little bit savvier version of that same guy whereas we've seen other players his age. Um, you know, really make dramatic leaps year after year. And it, it just, it, it just kind of feels like he's stalled. I think the, the eight in comparison is, is pretty apt. You know, I, I would, I would much rather have Adebayo. I think he's a lot more dynamic, uh, really on both ends, but I kind of feel the same way about their long-term development.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just, he's a, he's, you know, he's a non-shooting big man, which again, completely fine. And he is a, he's a center, um, good on defense. Like I said, like he was a defensive player of the year candidate, um, you know, he can switch a little bit, maybe more than a little bit. Um, go in the offensive glass. It's like he's very good, but it's tough, like, with these big men sometimes. Um, just, like, how like how much can you prioritize them in the offense? And if you have to pay them this absurd amount to keep them because there's so few good ones, does that handicap the rest of your team? Like, it just gets into this weird discussion about, you know, how crucial can these guys be to your offensive game plan? How easy, like... You know, if you're if you're a defense, and do you even have to plan for autobio? Like he's gonna pick and roll, run to the rim. You know, maybe he'll do some handoffs. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of felt like there was going to be a little more Draymondness to his offensive game. And yeah, I don't. I just don't. I don't think you're like panicking about that if you're preparing for the Heat at this point. I think it's something you have to consider. He's above average for his size and position at doing a lot of those things, but he's not. He's not elite at it to the point where it really stresses you. Um, how how disrespectful is it by the way to have the nets at five to one uh, ahead of the Celtics at plus 550
2: that's insane that I, crazy.
1: Uh, yeah
2: I mean like I like I was saying like we don't even know if Kyrie's gonna be on the team Durant can't stay healthy Ben Simmons we don't even know exactly what's going on I I have some optimism but again even if you have optimism he's gonna play well during the regular season it's like well then you they have to deal with the playoffs and it's um it's crazy to me man it's crazy and they're not public they're not a public team it's again it's like you have the celtics extremely
1: public um below them somehow It, it feels like these are the odds they should have if they have Kawhi leonard coming back from an injury not ben simmons you know like ben simmons is not really one anywhere like i i don't know anybody who watched that celtics team or that nets team excuse me at the end of the year and said, well, you know, if they had had Ben Simmons for this series, you know, things would have gone a lot differently. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Like if like, he's almost in the Michael Porter zone for me at this point where we got to see it, we got to see it for an extended period of time. Like I know he, I know he has more of a body of work than Porter does uh, as a healthy NBA player, you know, for really good years. Like I get that, but it's been a long time since Ben Simmons has been capable of playing the game of basketball, you know, whether that's for physical or mental reasons, it doesn't really matter. Uh, to put that team at five to one, I mean, and on top of that, like you said, the Kyrie situation is is very much unsettled. And if you, if you have to trade Kyrie or sign and trade Kyrie, you're probably not getting uh, fair value back in that situation. Durant is moving into his mid thirties rapidly, um, misses a ton of time. I mean, it's five to one is is absolutely insane. I mean, I, I think I'm not saying they deserve to be twenty to one, but I, I would put the Nets somewhere in the six, seven, eight, maybe nine to one range.
2: I agree. Yeah, and Durant. I mean. You know Durant's still amazing, but it's just like he's he just shoots jump shots now. Like he'll drive past somebody or sort of get past somebody. He just like doesn't want to go to the rim. Like he'll just pull up from like twelve feet. I'm not saying that's bad because he's Durant, but it's not great. Like you know, if you count, he turns thirty
1: four in September,
2: right? Exactly with the with the Achilles injury and all that. Like if you, and this is a point I brought up with Chris Paul too, which I I don't want to even get into that. But like in the five in the five. Games that the Nets played, so the playing game plus the four games against the Celtics, Durant took 13 shots at the rim, total,
1: Oof.
2: 13. So, um, that's not good. That's not good. Most of his shots were mid rangers but um, yeah, and it's like so you have that, and it's like I would so much rather bet on the Clippers at six to one. Like I, I understand Kawhi's got his own injury issues, but they've proven to be a way more competent organization, even when Kawhi Leonard doesn't play and when Paul George doesn't play. Right. Um. Like you know, I probably better coaching. Who knows how much leeway Steve Nash has, but the overall structure better. Um. I would just much rather take the six to one on the Clippers.
1: Yeah, I like that. I, I like the Celtics at plus five fifty. Um, right. You know, Phoenix, even Phoenix at seven to one. We'll see what they end up doing this summer. I mean, the Aiton thing is is a a pretty big question mark. But I also think there's a chance that you know that that, that game seven was so bad that like. I, I think maybe we're like two down on them like I still think they'll be really good next year. Um, but you know as long as Chris Paul's there there's going to be the same questions uh, about you know these continued flameouts. I'll say the same thing I said last year I, I want to say the odds were the same around this time. The Bucks at 7 to 1. That is a great bet. <laughs> this is a team this is a team that would currently be in the NBA finals if Chris Middleton did not get hurt. And you know Middleton, Holiday, those guys aren't aren't getting any better but they're probably not getting any worse. Uh, They're still a few years away from, you know, you'd think uh, an expected decline. I think the role players will be better. Um, You know, Brooke Lopez probably plays more games and Giannis is right smack dab in the middle of his prime. Like there's no reason to believe unless you have just an inkling about injuries, like the same, the same argument that we just made for the Mavericks and Luca. I mean, Milwaukee is obviously very much at that point with Giannis, where as long as there isn't a catastrophic injury, like a Chris Middleton going down right before uh, a series against Boston, you know, you could just pencil Milwaukee in for at least the second or the third round every every year.
2: Yeah, I um I mean I have I have I'm I'm too far into the Bucs to like i I've my criticisms are like so my criticisms of Bugenholzer, how he's using the offense with Middleton out. I know it's not the real Bucks team. Um but I, I agree with you. Seven to one feels good. You know, I'm I'm a little the role player situation is a little concerning. So Lopez is on an expiring contract. I'm sure they'll keep him. I don't think they're gonna dump Lopez or anything like that. Um, but Grayson Allen did not look ready for the NBA playoffs at that at that at that stage. Grayson Allen, who they signed, is on the team for two more years, did not look ready. Uh maybe he's ready next year, but Connaughton... Conton's got a player option at 5.7. He might turn that down, and maybe they try to find an extension. Bobby Portis at 4.5. I think and, he's, he's got to be gone. Yeah. I mean, both those guys, you know, I I understand if they want an extension. and I think the Bucs are probably – it's hard for the Bucs to be in a position to not give those guys an extension because of bird rules and stuff like that. But um, those guys could be gone, Um, and they don't really even have – I mean, you know, Wesley Matthews is probably – I hope he retires.
1: I, um, yeah, I – <laughs> see, see you later, pal. I would say you're not coming back. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. one one thing you did, you have not mentioned the Larry Sanders contract comes off the books. Oh man, next year and the John Lauer. Uh I assume they must have wow. stretched John Luer at some point because he is listed for three point two million dollars this past season.
2: Uh, I that's incredible. Did not know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I ultimately, you know, top down view bucks at seven to
1: one.
2: Yeah, of course they have a very. For as much criticism as I give Bud, he's a very good coach. They have arguably the best player in the world in Giannis, with a team that's been there and done that.
1: So seven to one, sure. Part of my argument too is I think I think they could stand to upgrade some of those spots. You know, like I, I love Pat Cotterton. Um You're probably not going to do a whole lot better than him. You're definitely not going to do better than Bobby Portis. You know, basically playing on like a minimum deal. Um, and you can't expect him to take that again. Like that, that to me is a pretty big loss because he bailed them out big time uh, when Brook Lopez was hurt. But I, I also think like you could definitely upgrade Wes Matthews, who was playing like 30 minutes a game at times this season. Um, you know, you got really nothing out of Sergio Ibaka, who is your, your kind of big deadline acquisition. Um, you're probably not going to swap out Grayson Allen, but I, I think you could just almost like kind of turn the carousel and bring in like five random guys who are going to play better than the (laughs) Bucks role players did down the stretch. Right. And you know, you are competing. There's a lot of top end teams. You know, you're going to be be competing with golden state, Brooklyn, the Lakers, the Clippers, Boston, but you know, guys, guys are going to want to come play in Milwaukee, which sounds insane to say, but there, there are going to be, you know, veterans who maybe could make three more million if they go sign with the Kings, but they'll take the discount to, to go to a championship contender and play with Giannis. So yeah, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily have any names earmarked, but I, I really think you just bring in players who are similar caliber to the guys you're sending out and chances are, it's not going to be any worse.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're always going to be guys. It's tough to say exactly with like the, you know, the, the cap rules, like who is going to be available, but I'm like looking at some names right now that are, they're going to be free agents. Um, you know, you have like, I don't even know, man. Like, it's like Gary Harris is available. Dra- Dragic is available. Sure. Um, you know, Thad Young, Ingles, TJ Warren. Like, there's uh, just yeah. like tons. There are tons of guys like that available. Like, going to be av- Kyle Anderson. Like, there's so many of these guys who it's like, yeah. It is possible you lose Connaughton because I'm sure there's some like middling team out there that would be like, you know who should play 30 minutes a game? Pat yes. Connaughton. Um, but you know, I I, look at you,
1: Indiana Pacers.
2: Yeah, exactly. I I wouldn't mind the Bucks shuffling the deck a little bit, like I like you said. I think they're going to lose Portis. Um, but it's a friendly system, you know what I mean? Assuming they keep the same system, like you know, you're going to get just a bunch of catch and shoot jumpers, you're going to be able to fire in transition. You know, you're going to be able to. It's, 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 I think it's an easy system, system to play in for the most part.
1: Yeah, I think they have a little more license to tinker now too. I think there's some pressure when you win to kind of you know run it back with the band, and you know you don't want to cut anybody out. But uh, I would not be surprised if they do some some pretty significant shuffling. Um, I, I think we hit on just about everybody. You know, I mean, we didn't even I guess we didn't talk about the Sixers at 14 to one, but well, I mean that's just it, it, unless there's some sort of shakeup. To me, that's probably a stay away.
2: I, I mean, I still like the team.
1: Yeah, like at 14 I, to one. I mean, that's reasonable.
2: I'm going to continue liking the team. The problem, it, this is just a huge James. It's just the James Harden swing piece thing, right? I mean, I, I don't even know what to think about Harden anymore. I have absolutely no idea if he's actually declining. If it's this, you know, five-year hamstring injury that he can't get over. If it's like, you know, is he is he really can he not be the number? Like, is Maxie going to take over? I really don't know. But I, if someone again, if someone's like ah, oh, you know, 76ers, fourteen to one, you got maxi and bead hardin uh i'd be like sure i it, it's hard for me to argue like too hard against that
1: i think if you just laid out that roster with no context uh i mean that that team probably deserves to be like five to one right so in in that vein maybe there is a little bit of value there at 14 but yeah it's just it, the the Harden factor i completely agree i have no idea if he's still good i think he is like with Westbrook, I'm 100% sure he's cooked, right? Like there are certain guys you just know, yeah. like it, it's, it's gone. Like he's, he's entered the Iverson on the Grizzlies phase uh, of his career. Like that's that's not coming back. With Harden, like I truly would not be shocked if he comes back and finishes like seventh in MVP voting next year. Like that wouldn't be that shocking. I, I don't think he's lost it physically um, or, or like, you know, I guess mentally is how you would say it with Russ, where he's just like like the stubbornness is too much to overcome for Russ. He, he will never change. That's, that's just not going to happen. I'm not saying Harden isn't stubborn. I think he's got a little bit of that in him, but I, I'm not ready to say he's fully cooked or that they can't make it work. Whereas Westbrook in LA, that, that just seems like a ticking time bomb. Like at some point, he's either getting traded or waived or stretched or sent home. Um, I don't really feel the same way about Harden and Philly, at least not yet.
2: No, it's just, you know, what like if you take these guys, both of these guys, and just say like the version of them that's twenty percent worse. What kind of player is that? And for Westbrook, it's just, he's barely in the league. Like he's just, he's out there. Just, he can't shoot the free throw a lot. He can't shoot free throws. He's just turnover heavy. It's just like, it's not a guy you want on your team. Cause he's going to try to dominate the ball for Harding. If he's 20% worse, it's like, he's still one of the best passers in the NBA. He can still hit catch and shoot threes. Um, all, like all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if he, maybe he does enter a new phase of his career, where he seeds a good amount to Embiid and he seeds a good amount to Tyrese Maxey. But if he kind of turns into your pseudo like two a slash two B and he really kind of reins it back and stops with some of this annoying stuff that frustrates his teammates, like driving and just trying to throw the ball up and he loses it. Like that version of Harden is still going to be an extremely good player because he could average, you know, like a really efficient, you know, 18 and nine. So it's like, that's, that's the one hope I do have for Harden compared to someone like Westbrook.
1: Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, it, it'd be fun if he figured it out. I don't know. It, 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 I feel bad for Embiid uh, that he's had to deal with this, uh, yeah. first with Simmons and now Harden. Like it, it's, I mean, the, the Sixers have kind of become a team that's like fun to laugh at, I guess, for the other 29 franchises, but a lot of talent on that roster. And I, I think even the people that laugh at the Sixers would still want to see uh, Embiid finally get to the finals. But uh, we'll cut it off there. A lot of good finals talk, a lot of good futures talk. Uh, we'll check in sometime after game one on Thursday night and uh, continue with these through the NBA finals.